1: Morning and welcome, everyone, to Live Dharma Sunday for February 24th, 2019. Koyo Kubose here, so very, very glad you joined us. Well, February is still not springtime, and I know that uh, we have been having the country, so I wanted to talk about the weather and uh stormy skies or blue skies you know sort of correspond to our emotional emotional range too stormy when it's stormy weather that sort of corresponds to when you get angry okay or if it gets if it's raining and it's overcast and it's drab you might feel down get kind of sad okay but if it's sunny and blue skies, you get a lift. Okay. Even when it's cold, you know, if there's the sun out, it really seems to make a difference. Now, I know there is a condition called SAD. That's kind of an appropriate acronym. It says sad, but this is a there is a, um, a legitimate medical condition where some people, because of their uh, light, dark, I guess body signals, light, dark cycles are really sensitive to uh, light or the lack of it, sunlight. And so during the wintertime, uh, they're they're kind of just in general down, but then they're fine in the summertime, okay But not discounting that, just the regular everyday person we should think about <clears throat> what we can learn from the weather okay? and not be pushed around by the weather okay? so if it's if you get up and it's kind of stormy weather you don't you, you, we don't say oh shoot i'm going to just stay home today i got a lot of important things to do at work or at school or something some household tasks or whatever business no, no, I, I can't I, I can't go. It's too, you know, it's too overcast today. Nobody would do that, okay? They would not ignore the weather. They would say, oh, hey, it's kind of cold today. I guess I better wear a sweater. Or it looks like rain. I'm going to use my umbrella. So they take the weather into consideration, but they don't let it push you around to the extent that, You don't take care of important business of that day in handling weather conditions. Now I know. Well, what I was thinking was, um, I remember there was a a temple member who uh, told a story about uh, he and well he was Caucasian, okay, and he his wife was. Japanese American, and they also had had a child, and so the the, all three of them, as a family, went to Great America. uh, And it started to rain, and and this gentleman's story part of his story was, is that uh, his wife and child they just had a great time, even in the rain, and he. His reaction was, "Oh no, this rains, you know, destroyed, uh, ruined our, our visit to Great America." Okay? But he said, "Gee, but he was amazed with his wife and his child's attitude." Okay, and he said, "Gee, how did how did they get? How are they? Why are they that way?" Okay? and he was wondering whether. It was their Buddhist or or ethnic uh, Asian, you know, cultural background that made them more accepting of what's going on and then going forward the best you can and, you know, maybe even use it to your advantage where you say, hey, it was getting wet in the rain. We had a great time, you know. So, so I always remember that story. Uh, um, how about times when the weather is so extreme, you, 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 <laughs> it does push you around, okay? So, I want to cover that side, too, okay? Let's say you have a tornado or a flood or, you know, some kind of extreme weather event, hurricanes, tornadoes, okay, um even then i think it's not the weather per se even though it's so extreme like that that you you know it dominates your life okay and and it could be full of tragedies too a lot depends on your attitude of to whether this event would really crush a person or whether it functions to deepen the character you know in a positive way and I was reminded of uh, one of my favorite quotes by uh, French existential philosopher Albert Camus. And uh, I don't remember in what work I read this, if he's known for this or not, but it's been decades, but I've always remembered this. And And again, I don't remember the context, but he said, quote, in the midst of winter, I discovered within myself an invincible summer. Hey, I really like that. Okay, okay I want to uh, introduce a person to give us a Dharma glimpse. Now, we had originally been scheduled, the way it was scheduled, someone's in charge of that, that uh, we had John Meo scheduled, and I'm not sure, I didn't get a chance to look at his Find out what his um, area code was, so I'm not sure if he's on the line. So I'm going to um, uh, check. What is, uh, I've got an 856 area code. Is that you, John Mio? (laughs) How about 386? That's Andy. Are you 386? 386 is Michael Magno sensei. Oh, oh, sorry. How about 856? No, that's Andy, sensei. Okay, okay. Well, good thing we're Buddhists and we're very flexible okay. when our plans, <laughs> expectations don't handle. So what I have is uh, a pinch hitter, Ginny in Pennsylvania, she was part of our LM10 group, and she said, hey, you could call on, let me know any you need a, you know, pinch hitter. I'm always ready on the bench. <laughs> and so we had her in reserve, and uh, Jeannie Gallo will give us our, I'm trying to get you unmuted here. Okay, there you go, there you go. Okay, you're on. Thank you very much
0: you. I guess I won the number lottery. It's pretty neat. Um, I might ramble a bit, sort of like Koyo Sensei does, but I hope I can bring it all back home at the end like he always does. Um, just the other day, I got a, a phone call at one of my I'm uh, I'm an artist, and I got a phone call that one of my paintings had been accepted for the Habitat for Humanity auction they have here. It's a big auction they have, and all the proceeds go towards uh, finding housing for people, helping rebuild houses that need to be rehabilitated, and then getting them to people that can, can really use them and at an affordable uh, price or no price. And I get tickets to the Hershey Country Club for a big deal reception. And I feel good because the painting will have a good home and it will help somebody else get a good home. And uh, so I give myself a little pat on the head for that. And the painting was called Autumn Wind. And it's an expressionist work in all kinds of yellows and golds and browns of the beautiful field behind my house in the autumn uh, it's really a beautiful field, and I've enjoyed it every autumn for 40-some years. Uh, at least it was a beautiful field until last year. Um, the field is now a housing development, or it is a housing development. The houses are rising up, and the uh, after a year of rumbling uh, diggers and pushers and movers, now it's... Uh, wood frames going up all over the place. And all I can hear day after day is this endless tap, 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 tapping. And more and more frames were coming up, more and more frames. And it was really getting getting to bother me uh, until suddenly I had like a, a real aha moment and the mindfulness bell went off. And it reminded me of the Buddha's... Uh, sermon in the Dhammapada, where he talks about houses going up, and I'll read a, a short part from it. Uh, how many lives, how many rounds of rebirth have I experienced without finding the builder of this house? I, now I see you, O oh builder. All of your rafters are broken. Your ridgepole is shattered. Never again need you build a house for me. My mind has gone beyond the transitory, the conditioned, and has achieved the extinction of craving. Uh, Well, I can't certainly claim the last part, but that mindfulness bell or the mindfulness tapping is something I always have now behind my house. And I'll hear this, and I might feel annoyance arising. I might lament, ah, my field is gone, or gee, that noise is annoying, or, or, or. And then I'll catch myself, and that tapping will become the mindfulness bell reminding me of how I, I'm building my own problems, my, my own making uh making happenings into problems. It's me that's building the rafters, it's me that's building the framework. And I have it in my uh uh self to be able to work with these wonderful teachings to, to shatter that ridgepole pole. So all that house of annoyance and pain and Digression and on and on. will come down, and I can live my life hopefully in the kind of clarity that we're all looking for. At least it's, it's what I'm looking for, and have found so much in the in the Buddhist teachings. And I am I can't say I'm you know grateful or overjoyed that the field's gone, but I'm a transition and the change, and I'm grateful that I was able to find something in that tapping that uh, really lit lit up a lot of uh, of interesting and, and helpful thoughts, so I'm putting that tapping into my my mindfulness toolkit as a instead of an annoyance, it's now my own personal backfield mindfulness bell. And uh, wrote a little capping poem about it, ten thousand taps as ridge poles rise, blocking out the clear blue skies. And then I have to remember I'm the one who's blocking that the in- block it out. and I'm grateful for the view. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much. You know, that's a very interesting use of quoting from the Dhammapada and uh, of how the Buddha, you know, Dhammapada is, you know, ancient, one of the oldest sayings of the Buddha. Um, A lot of times there's a lot of sutras that uh, people uh, commentary on the Buddha's words, but these are supposed to be, you know, directly uh, from Buddha's words himself. So, but he, how he used uh, a building, a house uh, as a metaphor for the ego self that we create or as, you know, well, we find ourselves in. It could be from societal conditioning, cultural things, or how you're supposed to feel and how you're supposed to live, how you're supposed to deal with things. These are the walls and the roofs and, you know, whatever foundation. They could all stand for different things. He likens enlightenment to the freedom of not being confined by these walls and things. You know, freedom, liberation, liberation. You're not. Your mind doesn't have to be your prison, okay? With invisible walls. So he says, I see the ridgepole. See the ridgepole holds up the, <coughs> the 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 ceiling, the roof, and that's one of the most important things. If you don't have a roof over your head, okay? So he sees that, and he says, that that just tears down that whole house of ego self. So wow. That's kind of a brilliant metaphor, and you know, uh, a teaching like that. And I think, in the same way, the lesson of taking a irritation, uh, something negative, and using it as a positive tool okay, in your in your spiritual toolkit, as was said. Um, this is a uh, well. Well, I, I'm thinking of this story, and I don't know how to tell it. But it's called The Buddhist, Buddhist Secret. And uh, I, it's a story about a, a Buddhist minister talking to someone who uh, came to Buddhism. A lot of times they, people come to Buddhism you know, uh, that were not Buddhist. They come to Buddhism because they're, they're suffering, and they can't find any <clears throat> remedy in perhaps the religion that they they were raised in or, you know, other philosophies of life where they're floundering. And so they're looking around for, for help. Okay. Emotional help. And so their life situation is such, and
0: and here, here's
1: what, you know, here's why I came to Buddhism. This person's talking to the Buddhist teacher and he's really talking about how miserable he was and everything else. And, Well, actually the story was that he's feeling he came to Buddhism but he has he still has all these negative emotions. Okay. And he's reaching out to the Buddhist teacher for relief. And the Buddhist teacher says listens to him as he describes his situation and you know, and and Buddhist teacher says, Oh yeah, I see well, you know, you just got to keep going and so forth. The guy says, yeah, but it's so hard. I'm, you know, this has happened. And then on top of that, you know, this happened to me. And then, uh, then the teacher was listening and he said, roughly the same thing. Feedback of, well, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's pretty rough. That sounds pretty rough. But you just got to keep going, you know. And the guy says, no, it's, I, I, I'm at the end of my rope, blah, blah, blah. And this time the teacher said, gee, uh. Don't you know uh, the Buddha's secret of how to enjoy your suffering? Yeah. And the person, what? What are you talking about? You know. Um, now maybe that phrase "enjoy your suffering" is kind of kind of a awkward phrase, but <clears throat> what it means is you got to use your suffering. Okay? And in fact, I heard a I heard a story. It wasn't even from a Buddhist context, but it was. I guess sort of like a a life life tool, and it was saying something like, um, uh, "You're going into the woods, and it's in the jungle. It's in the Amazon, and you're and you're going after this uh, civilization that was supposed to be real wise. Okay, it had a great civilization, but it was gone. It was in the Amazon rainforest." Said covered it all up but you heard about it and you're the explorer and you, you you know you wanted to you're going to find this place and find out what their what their great teaching was about life. And you came to this old stone pillar that was a entrance to a temple and it was falling down but the inscription above that entrance to their temple was this make use of your suffering. Okay, I heard somewhere I heard this story. Okay, uh, and they didn't elaborate on it exactly, but you know, that's the the same message I think of whether you're going. When, if you're a victim of something, okay, most of the time it's because you uh, you joined in that process. Now, a dramatic statement of this might be okay, and I've known. I've heard this from at a Buddhist Dharma talk, where the teacher said, you know, he was kind of a flamboyant guy, but anyway, he said, you know, in Buddhism, he said, "What is the main teaching?" He says, "Well, uh, pain in life is inevitable; suffering is optional." Now, <laughs> this is a good topic for discussion. Okay. Now, his lesson, his teaching was saying, okay, sometimes you can't help being hurt, okay, especially if you think about physical pain, okay, or or illness, or, you know, or how you deal with tragedies and so forth. And he says, well, suffering is optional. So, oh, wow, you know, I mean, it's, uh, elaborate. What are the ramifications? What are the, you know, things that follow if you... If you follow that teaching okay, or that truth, maybe. Okay. Now, I, the reason I said it's an interesting topic for discussing is because some people might say something like, well, how about babies and young children, and, you know, natural disasters and stuff. Uh, these people, uh, certain classes of people, they, they might not have the capacity to handle things so that suffering is optional. Okay, that they, they're you know they're suffering because of that pain and uh, you know they they need some outside help you know if for, for, for if it's a young child or something like so he you, you know your statement is more like a normal functioning adults okay well okay I don't know exact I, I I don't know if they ever had such a discussion with this teacher there but I'm sure he would he would have. Uh, you know, put his input on that, into that. So I think that this is a, a, a tremendous lesson, okay, of the importance of attitude, okay? And what's, uh, you know, um, even in the religious context itself, when you think about, um, okay, I'm going to close with the story of uh, uh, Top San's Candle. And some of you may be familiar with this, but Toksan was a, a monk in you know, ancient Japan and he was traveling around with different teachers as was the custom in those days for the monks to do to learn, you know, from the different masters. And he was visiting Rokan and and now Toksan he was he he had been a monk for several decades and he knew a lot of teachings and he had a lot of uh, sutra books with him and, and he he knew all the teachings okay and so he was t- talking about this to Rutan okay and then Rutan said oh you know it's, it's getting dark and it's uh, it's nighttime now it's all dark outside you know uh, why don't we continue this in the morning okay it's getting late now and Toksan said okay and he was about to go out to you know to lead to go to his sleeping quarters okay guest facilities in the, in the temple. And Rutan, the teacher, said, oh, it's so dark, you know, here, take a candle. Give him a little, you know, lantern-like. And he says, oh, okay, thank you. And he was just about to go out the door, and then Rutan blew out the candle. And because of Toksan's karmic condition, you know, the right words at the right time, but when that teacher blew out his candle that he's going to use to guide himself in the darkness, there he was enlightened. Now, what was the what was the psychological dynamics going on here? Well, as <clears> this <throat> the moral of the story is that he was using all of his knowledge, okay, not wisdom, but knowledge about Buddhism. He he knew all the teaching. He was familiar with all the sacred texts and everything. And in fact, he was carrying them around. Okay, and there were his candles, and they were outside of himself. So Luthan said, "Hey, don't those are undependable? Why would you, de- you know, have a teaching that's undependable? Okay, and anything external is is not dependable, because well, in the case of the metaphor, of the candle, some wind might come and blow out the candle." Then you're, then you're lost. But if you have an internal candle, your own light inside, okay, your own attitude, the way you personalize the teachings in your bones and your muscles, okay, not just in your head, okay, nothing, can, nothing can extinguish that inner candle. Okay? And that was a teaching that Rutan gave to a Toksan. So on the next day, he burned all his books. Okay, now that's the way the story went. I don't say you have to, you know, burn your books, but uh, the the emphasis on the, uh you are your own light, okay? You know, you are your own best teacher, okay? Your inner teacher, your inner attitude, okay? If you have that, then that's what might be called trans-situational. It goes beyond all the different kinds of uh, external conditions that life might bring you. Okay? Sure you're going to have pain. Okay. And it's not this it's not like everything is equal in the relative sense. Of course there's, you know, a scale of pleasurable things and unpleasurable things. Okay? But the skill of living uh, is if you could even take something that is a pet peeve or even something that's Really dramatically impacts your life in in a bad way. Okay? it might take some time to work with it, but if you're a, a skillful Buddhist who has a pretty good toolkit, say, hey, you know, what can I do? Okay, that that's uh how how you accept. You know, this is a big topic because if you don't accept that what's happening. This is not escape or ignoring, okay? You really accept what has happened to you. And if you really accept it, okay? Oh, I got this illness or this accident happened or so-and-so passed away. If you, you don't want to get victimized by those events, okay? But you uh, are not attached, not caught, and then say, oh, you know, if you that means that you really didn't forget about it, that you didn't accept it fully, because you're you're stuck there. If you really accept it fully, you say, well, this is the way it is, then that's liberating, really. You say, well, uh, what's the best? Well, how how the best way to, for me to handle it? That's empowering. That's taking responsibility, okay? Because what has happened is is the reality of it. Okay? And so the, this calls into the whole topic of acceptance and your ideas of self, the ego self controlling, being, controlling everything is the only way to be. Okay? And of course, then you're in trouble because you cannot, control some things, you know, you can't control when it happens. Okay? And, uh, <clears throat> oh, what can you do to change things? Or, Can you accept the inevitable things, getting sick, loved ones dying, your own mortality, you know, uh, to be able to face these things, okay? And look in your, if you got something in your tool kit for that, what a tool it is. (laughs) Okay, that's all for today's broadcast. Till next time, keep going. And you have a beautiful day. Thank you.